I'm going to talk to you today about the church. We're going to be talking about God's church, the church, us, the gathering, and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, this sermon series that I'm in is called uh, My Summer Mixtape, and this is the last sermon in the series. And what we've been talking about, or what I've been doing, rather, over the last few weeks, is uh, eight weeks, is I've been taking sermons from all my sermons that I preached over 20 years here at Heartland, and I picked out eight sermons that are my favorite. And so I've been preaching those sermons. Well, today, the sermon that I'm preaching about the church, uh, I saved, in, in my estimation, I saved the best sermon for last in the series. And the reason I did is because this is my all-time favorite sermon that I've ever preached at Heartland Church. This is the very first sermon that I preached at Heartland Church. Uh, you know, there's something special about that day. I can remember being so nervous. And, you know, we're planning this church and getting all ready. And we were meeting at the Admiral's Inn over on Cypress Gardens Boulevard. And, or, and, and so, you know, you're coming in. It's my very first sermon in my church that God has given me to start. And now uh, I've only preached a few times in my life. And now I've got the responsibility of being the pastor. And uh, this passage was a passage that actually in a preaching class was worked on in seminary. And uh, it really struck a chord with me because I wanted to set the tone for the future of Heartland Church that day. I wanted to say, this is what God says a church is supposed to be, and this is what we're going to do our dead level best to be for throughout the history of Heartland. And I'm, I'm happy to say that today I believe that we're doing it. There are challenges that come along with it. The church has grown from 14 people to there are about 3,000 people that call Heartland home. And uh, not everybody shows up every week at the same time. But you know what? This is kind of sad. But you know that all the, the gurus out there tell us now that if a person attends church once every six weeks, they're considered a, a regular attender. That, that's pretty sick to me personally, but, but, but I mean, that's unbelievable, isn't it? Now, listen, some of you right then just said, hey, see, we don't have to come that much. Don't you do that? Okay, that's not what I was saying at all, that, okay? But, but uh, we do have about 3,000 people, so God has really grown our church, and today we still hold these truths that I'm going to preach about today to be truth, and this is the way that church should function. You know, a lot of people have a lot of ideas about church. When you have a church our size, there are lots of opinions and ideas. I regularly get people that would like me to preach on this, preach on that, preach on this, preach on that. That happens all the time. You can't imagine with all the people that we have. You know, people have passions about different things, good things that they're passionate about. And uh, so there's all kind of stuff, lots of ideas floating around. And, and also people have ideas about what churches should do, shouldn't do, what they, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, even if you talk to people who attend church regularly, they have varying opinions about, about things. But today what I want to do, and what I did back then on that first Sunday, was I looked at the Apostle Paul's uh, definition, if you will, of a church, his, his vision for a church, what a ministry ought to look like, what are the components that should be in place, what should be wor we be worrying about as a church, how should we do church. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, as you know, was chosen by God. He was a, an apostle to take the, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And, and he was to go and start new churches uh, among the Gentiles. And he traveled all over the Mediterranean basin, proclaiming the gospel and starting new churches. And one of the churches that he started was one that you're probably familiar with. We have a book in the Bible called Ephesians in the New Testament, and it was the church at Ephesus. There's a letter in the Bible from him to that church, the book of Ephesians, or the letter of Ephesians, the epistle. And uh, so Paul uh, starts this church in the city of Ephesus. Well, a few, he leaves Ephesus, he starts the church, 
He hangs around there for a while, gets the church kind of running, gets some leaders in place, and then he moves on to start other churches. Well, a few years after he had started the church in Ephesus, Paul was traveling through that area again. Now, he was on a ship, and they were headed to Jerusalem. And the ship was sort of bouncing along the coast, going in and out of port cities. And one of the cities that they stopped in was a place called Miletus. Miletus was about 30 or 40 miles from the city of Ephesus. And so Paul knew that he wasn't going to get any closer to Ephesus and that he hadn't been there in a few years. And we'll, we'll find out as we read the scriptures in a moment that he also knew he would never talk to these people again. And so Paul stops there at Ephesus, or he stops there at Miletus. He sends for the elders of the Ephesian church and asks for them to come to him. And so they come to him, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because Paul says, this is the last time I'm going to see you guys, and he gives them some words of wisdom, and in those words of wisdom, we can see how a church is supposed to function. So they come and meet with Paul. It's an emotional meeting. You can imagine. Uh, there are tears. We, we'll read about that. Paul tells his good friends, this is the last time that I'm going to see you guys. And, and he spends some time pouring his heart out to them face to face about what's important about ministry and about, about doing church, if you will. And he does something interesting. He describes his ministry to them, what he's done. And he reminds them of how he's lived his life. But, but there's more going on, really, at that time than him just talking to them in that way. He's not just telling his story. He's actually teaching them one last time, explaining how ministry is supposed to be done. He started more churches than anybody's ever started. Uh, he was specially chosen by God to do it. Uh, you, you know, two-thirds of the New Testament's written by Paul. And when he says, this is how church ought to be done, we ought to listen. And so today, we're going to see what Paul says about the church. We're going to be looking at Acts, the book of Acts in the New Testament. We're going to be looking in chapter 20, beginning with verse 17. We'll be going through quite a few verses, and I'll break it down a little bit and pull some things out as we go. But the first thing that I want you to see this morning, that Paul says that a church, if a church is going to be a church, a church needs to serve God. That's a broad statement when you say serve God. It can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but I'm going to read it to you, talk about it. He says in uh, verse 17 through 19, now from my latest, uh, Paul sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church to come to see him. And when they came to him, he said this to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. And then these are the three words we're going to focus on. He says, serving the Lord. With all humility and tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. But Paul says he served the Lord. Right off the bat, Paul says the church should be all about God. That's what the church is supposed to be about. A church is all about God. It is a place where God is honored, a place where God is praised, a place where God is exalted, where he's made the priority and everything points to him and everything brings him glory. The, the goal of a church should always be to please God, and listen to this, not men, all right? The goal of the church is to please God, not 
men, regardless of how difficult, regardless of how uncomfortable that is for us, for you and me that sit in church, the goal of the church should be to please God and not men. And I believe personally that one of the biggest problems that we have in the church today, in our culture, in our country today, in the world, is that too much effort is being spent trying to please people instead of pleasing Almighty God. I believe that to be true. I know, I know that it's true. Churches are afraid that if they toe the line scripturally, if they preach those things that are difficult to hear, that people will be offended and they won't attend. And they're worried more about numbers than about people's souls. And I see it happening all the time. So they place their efforts on trying to make everybody comfortable. But listen to me, God did not design his church to make you comfortable. He didn't design it to make you happy. He designed it to make you holy. He designed it to, to help you understand how to live for him and, and how to do things that are pleasing to him, how to make good decisions that are God-honoring. And he, he designed it for that. And sometimes when we have to deal with those things and we look into God's word and we see the decisions we have to make, it takes us outside of our comfort zone. It's not comfortable, but we have to serve God. Why is it not comfortable? Because we're confronted with our sin. And when you're confronted with your sin, that's never fun, is it? Doesn't the book of James say that the Bible's like looking into a mirror and it reflects back to us what, what we're supposed to look like? I don't know about you, but when I open the Word of God and look in there, very often the reflection I see isn't a pretty reflection. I need to change some things. Makes me uncomfortable. Makes me realize I need to make some adjustments. Listen to how the Word of God is described uh, in some verses that Paul wrote to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 I love these verses. It says all scripture, that's from Genesis to Revelation. All scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. When reproof and correction are part of anything in our lives, it's never pleasant. And, 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 but, it's, but it's usually not comfortable. But listen to Paul talk about his own journey in verse 19, Acts chapter 20. He says, serving the Lord with all humility, listen to this, and with tears and trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. That doesn't sound like Paul's walk with Jesus was real comfortable all the time. And our, our walk with Christ isn't always comfortable. And, and the church should not try to make us comfortable. The church should be the place where we are confronted with our sin. It's a place we should walk out of from time to time, thinking that, man, my shins are all bruised up and my toes have been stepped on, and I know I need to make some things better because I've got some news for you. There's no place else out there you're going to get that. So we need, to, we need to hear that. And Satan is real, and he will do anything he can to get your eyes off of Jesus and get you moving in the wrong direction. He will do that individually, and he will do it corporately to a church. But we can't do that. Paul says that his ministry demonstrated to everyone that we are to serve God. First and foremost, number one, everything we do at Heartland as a church, everything we do as individual believers, as part of the universal church, those people that have put their faith and trust in Jesus, everything in our life should be to bring God glory. That's what it's all about. A church should serve God and not men. That's the first thing. The second thing goes hand in hand with that, and that is that the church should be grounded in Scripture. 
Acts 20, 20, Paul says, you know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Well, what is profitable? What, what is he talking about? What did he declare that was profitable? Well, we read it a moment ago in his letter that he, that he wrote, Second Timothy, that he wrote to Timothy. He says this, he says, listen, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. What is profitable? The word of God is profitable. That's what Paul's talking about. We have to be grounded in scripture as a church. Paul was teaching people the scriptures he had at the time, and then God was using Paul. That was a different era and a different time, and he was called by God to do this. He was, it, Paul was teaching what God was telling him and also what the scripture said because what God was telling Paul would eventually become scriptures for you and for me. And so he was telling him those things. So, so we've got to be grounded in scripture. Remember, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable. And Paul said one of the marks of his ministry is that was grounded in scripture. Now here, here's the deal. That has to be the same for a church today. God's word is the foundation for every single thing that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. The church is to be guided and grounded in scripture. And listen to me, all of scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, this is a problem in our culture today. People take the Bible, they call themselves Christians, but they don't, they don't preach the parts they don't like. They pick and choose what they want to hear. If it makes people uncomfortable, there are preachers and entire churches and even some denominations that won't say words that are offensive to people because it offends them. That is a sin against God. We've got to preach the whole counsel of God's word, whether it makes us feel good or it doesn't make us feel good. You can't pick and choose the parts of scripture that you want. You can't bend and twist the scriptures to make them fit your desired lifestyle. You've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus and follow him and make him your priority and live for him and do what he says and obey him, even if it makes you miserable. You gotta do it. That's right. It deserves, if anything deserves applause, that ought to deserve applause. Never preaching or teaching passages that make people uncomfortable or passages that aren't politically correct is just wrong. And we have people in churches all over. I have people come to me all the time. We're not coming to Heartland anymore. Well, why aren't you coming to Heartland? Well, you preach too hard. You know, you know this is going on in my family and you preach against it. And because you preach against it, we're going to find a church. Because this church down the street, they don't preach against it. Well, are they preaching the Bible? Let me just tell you something, guys. You can go to Timbuktu. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, everywhere you go. You can go to a church that'll say what you want them to say, and you can still die and go to hell. You gotta preach the word of God and you can't skip around and you can't try to bend the word and twist the word to make it say what you say. You can't pick and choose the parts that you want. It's all of God's word is inerrant, infallible, inspired by Almighty God. Church has to be grounded in scripture. It is not a church, it's a country club. But we got a lot of people that are more interested in pleasing men than God. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy regarding preaching scripture. He said, Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, 
who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Listen to this. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. Oh, don't you love these words? Repuve, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience. That's the part I have to work on. And teaching. Because listen to this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate. They'll get some teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I submit to you this morning that we're living in that verse right now. In this country, we're living in that verse right now. People are finding preachers and churches that are just telling them what they want to see here and make them feel good about themselves. But guys, you got to stick to Scripture. You've got to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. This prophecy in this verse is coming true right before our eyes. It's happening around us. People are flocking to churches that are doing this. But God isn't into your comfort. He's not into you being happy. He's into you being holy. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. And we've got to find out what he wants in the Scripture. And we've got to be grounded in the Scripture. And we've got to preach the Word of God. You know, sometimes people ask me why I preach, how I preach, and what I preach. And a lot of times we go through books of the Bible. And there are a lot of issues. There are people in a church our size, you can't imagine how many, I get emails and letters and texts and people come and see me and you're not preaching enough about this or you're not preaching enough. I get that stuff all the time, all the time. You can't imagine, you know, there's so many people that everybody wants me, there's so many people want me to preach on eschatology, which is the end times. Everybody wants me to preach on that. They want me to tell them that this dragon means this country and that over there is this country and this country's gonna, nobody knows if that's even, you get on TV, you can draw charts and all that stuff, you're guessing. You're guessing. Let me tell you something. The only thing that the Bible says that I have to preach, the only thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he tells me to preach. That's what, that's, that'll mend this world. The gospel will mend this world. That's what it's all about. You know, it's the gospel. We have all these people, you know, people like me to preach and they want me to preach on social justice issues or on this thing or on that. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not gonna start preaching on that. I'm gonna preach the gospel because here's the deal. People, let's just talk about it for a moment. Right now in our country, people say we've got a color problem. In our, we don't have a color problem in the United States. We've got a sin problem in the United States. That's what we've got. If people will put their faith and trust in Jesus and worry more about telling people about him, following him, than get involved in all these little debates and other peripheral things that don't mean anything else, we can change those people and they will be different. God will change their hearts. But we get so focused on all this other stuff. All we need to tell them about this, tell them about that, tell them about this. No, tell them about Jesus. That's your answer. The gospel is the answer. Fired up. <laughs> Telling you right now. I told you, this is the first, past, this is the first sermon I ever preached at Heartland. This is in my bones. The next thing, we'll tone it down a little bit. The next thing is we need to meet corporately and in small groups. 
You know, we push small groups here at Heartland all the time. We tell all of you, we want you in a group. I want 100% of the people in Heartland, if I can, to get in small groups. Why is that important? Well, number one, it's the way church is supposed to be done. Now, small groups can come in different forms. A small group might be groups that meet in houses. In our culture, small groups might be a Sunday school class in a church or something like that. But we need more than big church. All right? But listen to what, listen to what Paul says in Acts 20.20. 20. He says, you know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, the scriptures, right? I didn't, I, I didn't shrink from that. And teaching you, listen to how he did it, publicly, big church like we're in right now, and house to house. That's the model. That's what Christians do. They meet publicly and house to house. God's people, his church, should come together to worship him and learn about him. Now, when we meet in big church, like we're doing today, we meet together, and that's great, because you hear preaching and teaching, and you, you hear stuff, and, and you learn things, but you don't, you know, you can, the only feedback you really get to give is maybe an amen or an oh my, right? And so, you get to do those, but, but then when you get in those small groups, you can say, well, Pastor Ed said this today. I'm not real sure I agree with that. Let's all dig, dig into the scripture and see if that's, see if that's right. You see, he lost his mind or what? Okay, let's look over here and see. And, you get, and, and, then, and then also, it's a place where you can hold each other accountable. You can pray for each other, get involved in each other's life. And when we do these things, God is honored and he receives glory because we're going deeper. And that's the model of the early church. And that's the way when we started Heartland, we said we're gonna meet in big church and small groups. And we wanna do that today as well. And we need a place to have more interaction so we can, you know, you can come in here. This is a big place. You can come in here and slide out and I don't even know you're here. Other people don't even know you're here. But that's not enough. You, you need other believers in your life. You need them. And, 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 different, and you know, some of you have them in your life in different ways, but we need to meet. So get, get, get with Pastor John. Find out how you can start a group or plug into a group. You get more accountability. You get support. All those things come in small group. But the church should meet in big church and small groups. The next thing Paul says we should do is to share the good news about Jesus Christ. The next thing we should do is share the good news. This is a big part of church, okay? Acts 20, 21, he says, I testified both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. There we have the whole racial thing right there. Jews and Greeks, couldn't be any further apart. The, the Greeks, the, 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 these Gentiles, they used to own the, the, the Jews. The Jews were slaves to the Gentiles. We have slavery there. We have ethnicity issues there. We have religious differences there. And he says, listen, who do I preach the gospel to? I preach the gospel to everybody. You know why I preach it to everybody, the Jews and the Greeks? Why I preach it to the rich and the poor, the people that live in that neighborhood and that neighborhood, the people that drive that car, ride that donkey, I guess in his day, that camel, you know, whatever. You know why I preach it to all those people? Because here's the deal. The only answer to the woes of man is the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ. That's why I preach it. There is no other answer. You can go to a meeting and you can debate 10 years on a subject, but the gospel is going to change it. Nothing else is going to change it. We'll just be fussing and fighting. You know, yeah, I, I, this is not part of my sermon. I'm, I'm just going to say this. I, I, I read a news article this morning and it's talking about how over in Afghanistan, now that the, the U.S. has withdrawn their troops, and now the Taliban is taking over and they're fixing to take over Kabul, I think it is. It's the largest six million people in the city and they're, they're just taking over and the people are just laying down and bowing down to them. And here we were, we sent over, they've been over there for years and years and before we were ever over there, the Russians were over there and they tried to take them and help them out or, or 
take them over. And we went over there and tried to help them out. And we went over and we did that and we did it. And we tried and tried and tried and tried. We pulled out. We hadn't even been out a few months. And now they're overrun by the Taliban. Why? You know why? Because they've been fighting and they're a bunch of sinners and they've been fighting for thousands and thousands of years. And we're not going to go over there and change them unless a missionary leads somebody to Jesus and Jesus changes them. Right? I'm just trying to make a point. The gospel is the thing. The gospel is the thing. The primary responsibility of the church is to share the gospel message. That's what I'm supposed to preach. This is not a social justice platform. This is not a political party platform. This is a gospel of Jesus Christ platform, and that's what we preach. That's the way it works. A church can do a lot of other things, but you're not a church if you're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The primary message of any church that calls itself a church is this. All of us are sinners. We're separated from God because of our sinfulness. And in our sinful state, we don't have a relationship with God. And if we die in that state without a relationship with God, or he returns before we enter into that relationship, we don't get another chance. We will spend our eternity separated from him in hell. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation. God loves us so much that he sent his son. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us when we didn't deserve it. God came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, gave himself as a sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. He gives us the promise that if we accept that sacrifice, if we believe that Jesus is in fact God who came to die on a cross for our sins, that he, is, that he was buried after he came off the cross in a tomb, rose up out of that grave, sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. If we believe that and we ask him for forgiveness of our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That whole little section that I just quoted you, the scriptures I read you and what I just told you, that is, as clear as I can put it, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that a preacher is commanded to preach. That is the only thing that will change lives. That is the only thing that will fix our world today, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what a church is supposed to do. And if they're not doing that and they're off on some tangent, they're a country club, they're not a church. That's the way I feel. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, listen to what he said. He said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. He says, go preach the gospel. Have you ever noticed that here at Heartland, the gospel is presented every week? It's presented usually during a message. Somewhere in the message, I fit the gospel in. Why? 
Because the only thing that I'm commanded to preach is the gospel. And every day, and if I don't get it into the message at the end, I stand up there and I tell you how I have a relationship with Jesus. I tell you you're a sinner, that you're in need of a savior and that Jesus died and he came. I tell you that. Why? Because the only thing I'm commanded to preach is the gospel. Because it is the only thing that has the power to save us. It is the only thing. That message about Jesus. Paul goes on and he says that we should stay committed to our God-given vision. A church should stay committed to its vision. And I, I preached this that very first Sunday to help people understand that we had a vision. And we were going to be in the kind of church that Paul says here. We were going to do the things that Paul said. And we were going to stick to that and never let anybody get in our way to de derail us or, or get us off base with those things. I'm going to read you the rest of this kind of long. And then, then I'm going to talk just for a minute more. Acts 20, 22 through 38. Paul says, okay, Paul's told him all this stuff we've been talking about. And he says, and now... Behold, you know, he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem on that ship. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit has testified to me and, and testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. You think his ministry was comfortable? But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. Listen, this is what I'm going to come back to. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus. And what is that? Well, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, he's talking to these guys. He says, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. He was telling his buddies and those people that he loved, he goes, it's the last time I'm going to see you. That's why you think about these words and how important they are. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, Paul says, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will rise up to speak twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver, gold, or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. The thing I want you to focus on here is Paul's determination to finish carrying out the mission that God had given. Because I believe this speaks to Paul as a leader and as of, that, of the churches that he started and of his ministry. God had given Paul a mission to share the gospel that we talked about earlier with all the Gentile world. God changed Paul's life in his direction and filled him with a passion to reach those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and this is what I want you to see here. Is that, and this is what I told the people. I mean, remember, this was the first, per, per, first sermon I ever preached at Heartland. God chose Paul. With Paul's personality, Paul's giftedness, Paul's passion, Paul's life experiences, 
He chose Paul to speak at a specific time in the history of Christianity. He gave him a vision for ministry, and Paul was determined to carry that out and to finish it. Paul was a leader. And one of the problems we see in church today is that pastors are trying to be everybody else except the person that God called them to be. They try to follow someone else's vision. They try to model their church after some other church. They want their pastor to preach like some other preacher. There's a huge temptation to try to be like people who appear successful in ministry. But I'm just going to tell you guys, like I told that first congregation of 83 people on July, I think the 21st, 19, or 2002, my name is Ed Kendrick and I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by the grace of Almighty God. And God called me into vocational ministry and he called me to start a church called Heartland Church at, at a specific place in Winter Haven, Florida, in a specific time in history for a specific people. And so I will always, as I have from the beginning, stand on this stage and be no one other than Ed Kendrick. And I'll preach the word of God, and if you get mad at me, then just get mad. If you, if you want to run out screaming, run out scream. If you hate me, don't let the door hit you in the rear end on the way out. I'm just telling you right now, we're going to stick to this formula at this place. We've been here for 20 years. God has grown us from 14 people that met at a stake and ale in Lakeland, Florida, to 3,000 people that call this place home. And we've seen countless people saved and a bunch of them baptized. We saw three this morning. I remember that first Sunday preaching and nobody came forward. Nobody gave their life to Jesus. It took about three months I'd been preaching at Heartland and it's growing a little bit and nobody was getting saved. I thought, what in the world am I doing? Am I doing something wrong? But I'll never forget that morning. I preached a message and down the center aisle of that little group of chairs in that building, that little tiny building we were in, a man with a pair of khaki short pants and flip-flops and a Hawaiian shirt and a straw hat came walking down the aisle with tears coming down his face. And he put his faith in Jesus. I've never been the same. And now hundreds of people, thousands of people, because of we've stayed true to this, have put their faith and trust in Jesus. And here's why. Because when you do church God's way, and you, you, you worry about God, not about men, God shows up and he does God's stuff. And the moment we take our eyes off this, we will crumble and we'll lead people down the wrong path. This is what we're supposed to do. Serve God. Be grounded in scripture. Meet corporately and in small groups. Share the good news about Jesus Christ. And stay committed to the vision that God has given us. And if we'll do that, God will do some great things through our church. I have a question for you this morning. A few moments ago, I explained the gospel in as much detail as I know how to explain it. Said that we're all sinners, but God loves us so much, He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we can be forgiven of our sins and we can spend our eternity with him. In a nutshell, that's what I said. 
And maybe you're here today and maybe you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. But maybe through something that was said today, you recognize and you realize that I need this Jesus in my life. I need this in my life. I want to encourage you this morning if you are sincere and you're genuine and you know that and you can feel God right now tugging at your heartstrings to pray with me. Just close your eyes and pray. Just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. God, I need you in my life. God, I'm asking you right now to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to create a clean heart in me. And I'm committing my life to you. God, I'm going to need help because I'm not, I'm not all, I don't even have myself all figured out and, and I'm going to make some mistakes along the way. I, I know myself, but God, I know you're bigger than those and I know you can help me and I'm asking you to send your spirit to indwell me and to help me and give me the power to deal with the stuff I deal with on a daily basis. So God, I give you my life. I'm asking you to save me. In Jesus' name. Amen. And we have the promise of Scripture that if you'll confess with your mouth, we read it a minute ago, that Jesus is Lord. And if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And maybe you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Here's what I want to ask you to do. In a moment, we're going to sing. Everybody's going to stand up. When they stand up, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you be bold for me and just slip out and go to the back? You don't have to come up front, go to the back. We've got people with purple shirts on, they say prayer, they got little lanyards on. Go to those people. Say, I made a decision to follow Christ. They can help you, what's the next step? What do I need to do? Is there something I need to read? How do I, what do I do next? You know, answer questions for you, whatever. Go talk to them. At the very least, if you don't do that, scan that little QR code that we talked about earlier. It's in the seats in front of you or whatever. Fill out a connection card and tell us that you made a decision to follow Christ so we can get in touch with you and help you in your journey. Maybe you're here today and you are a believer, but maybe you've been sort of having a sour attitude about church or maybe you don't think it's going right or the way you want it to go. And maybe you realize today that the way it needs to go is the way God wants it to go, not the way you want it to go. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness of your sin. And maybe you need to pray with someone. You can do the same thing, slip out and go back. Maybe you need to make your way to one of the crosses and put a prayer request up on the cross. We take those down and read them at our staff meeting. I don't know what you need to do, but you do if you've been listening. This is my favorite sermon because it tells us what God wants from us in his church. And it tells us how to have a relationship with Jesus. And I know 